Welcome to another distinct nostalgia by MIM. More than a podcast. Now cast your mind back to when Gail in Coronation Street had a rather sensible husband and her life wasn't quite so chaotic as it's been in recent years. Yes, there was a time. The actor who played Gail's second husband, after Brian Tilsley was viciously attacked outside a club, was Sean Wilson who brought to life Martin Platt. He was to spawn one of the show's longest-running characters in the shape of David Platt, played by Jack P. Shepard. While Sean spent a long time on those cobbles and has some fond memories, he's been chatting to Ashley about his career in Corrie, Crown Court, remember that, and Cheese. Yes, you heard it right. It'll all become clear. Have a listen to this. Sean, it's great to talk to you. We want to talk to you about Coronation Street, obviously. I'm talking about a few other things, a few other things that you were involved in way before Coronation Street, including Crown Court, which I'll come back to in a moment, because we've been trying for ages to get somebody to talk to us about Crown Court, and I gather you were in it. But before Uh we do all of that, cheese. Where are you with the cheese steaks these days? Are you still doing your cheese company? What's going on? Definitely still doing the cheese company. My cheese company, we make artisan cheese, uh, which really, although we have dipped our toe in the supermarket world uh, it wasn't the best idea that the supermarket beginning with a came up with <laughs> um as the, it wasn't on the cheese aisle it was somewhere near the deli and people couldn't find it and and although they put together 12 of the country's finest cheeses in their opinion and we were two of them it, you know, we went nationwide. It all sounded great. But if you can't find it, you can't find it. No, no, exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, exactly. So, so what was it about cheese? That, what is it about cheese and you then? Why, why, were you, why did you decide to set up a cheese company in the first place? So my main love uh, since I uh, left my family home, and really while I was in the family home, I wanted to cook. But the family home had, uh, you know, mothers working all day, stepfathers working all day. And I, can I do No, you can't. Just go and sit down and I'm busy. So, of course, I, I left there and uh, was fortunate enough to walk into the cast of Coronation Street. And uh, although uh, at the beginning, you know, things weren't, they weren't as tight, of course, but I wasn't like uh, swimming in money. Uh, so I just got myself a place which had its own kitchen. And Keith Floyd came to our screens in that very same year, 1984. And so I just jumped on the Keith Floyd train for a while. Well, for a long time, I'm still a Keith Floyd uh, fanatic, really. Um, because that was the beginning of, uh, whether we like it or not, in the UK, proper food, real food, proper ingredients. And then the rest is history. I mean, you know, you can go to lots of town centres, never mind city centres. And you can pick up great ingredients if you know where to go. Uh, so, big cook. Uh, learnt a, a lot about um, food. And I, I met some quite, quite famous chefs. And they would say, Sean, I used to go to France a lot, so I could disappear from the UK very quickly. And nobody in France really watched Coronation Street. And it was nice to feel just to feel the, uh, the, the cushion uh, of anonymity. But yeah. beyond that, uh, the chefs would say, oh, if you're in Burgundy, you must go to a little place called uh, uh, Maurice Chandonie, Saint-Denis, and drop in there and because there's a fabulous cheese. You know, we've talked about cheese in the past. Go and see them. So 
long story short, it was a bit of a shortcut to absolutely awesome cheese. Uh, uh, and it, it completely opened the box for me. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. I started to have discussions with uh, one particular chef, Simon Hopkinson, uh, about provenance and where things come from. And then not only where they come from, but uh, uh, the products are made with that milk at mm. the site where the cows or the goats or whatever were milked. It's not moving anywhere because the moving of particularly milk is very volatile and it loses its quality. And then, of course, you're onto wine. And so, of course, these forays to France were uh, 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 important for me in the end. They weren't just uh, uh, trips away just for anonymity. That was the one dimension that we're getting, you know, as there are other dimensions to my trips. And I was learning very quickly. And, uh, and it's turned out that all these years later, I'm very much a researcher of, uh, of anything that I do. Um, so, uh, um, you know, I, I'm, I do lots of cooking demonstrations. And uh, so I will pick a theme and then I'll work on that theme. So I don't just rock up, do a bit of cooking and disappear. We all learn something together, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's important. But getting back to the cheese, um, I left Coronation Street in uh, 2005 Mm -hmm. uh, been looking out of the window in the old green room for a couple of years uh, with the adventurer's eye, not just yeah. not just peering through the window and I was raining or whatever. You know, I was really looking out the window, thinking I've been in this room now for like twenty-one years, mm. same room, just looking through the window, and there's a big world out there. Uh, and uh, so I left. And then I went to work at um, North Cope Manor up there in Blackburn. Beautiful, beautiful yeah. restaurant. Uh, and I was invited by Nigel Howarth, who I'd seen at different uh, events, opening restaurants or whatever. And we became a little bit of a, uh, a collection of people that were foodies. Mm. So he said to me, uh, at one of these events, I believe you finished. So I said, yeah, so said, come and work with us in North Cope Manor. So, uh, tentatively went to work there. It will come back to cheese. <laughs> tentatively went to work there, and um, and I became a part of the team. Uh, there was a guy uh, who made their Lancashire cheese for them, and he would drop in once or twice a week, bringing in his products. And uh, um, and I was introduced to him by the chef there. Uh, Lisa Allen was the chef, famous chef in her own right too. And she, uh, uh, she introduced me to Bob Kitching. Now, Bob is a Lancashire cheesemaker who was making uh, organic Lancashire cheese still in Chipping. I don't know if you've been to Chipping. It's in the Trough of Boland. It's a tiny little village where it seems... I know, I know the Trough of Boland. I've been, I've been and stayed quite a bit in, the, uh, in at Whitewell. Right. Know, the, oh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Nice area, Look, isn't it? Beautiful area. Oh, so uh, chipping is seems like the kind of place you can still leave your bike outside, you know, and still leave your door open. It's that kind of place. And Lancashire cheese in 1190, when it was first recorded, it was made in that little village area. And he was the only Lancashire cheese maker anymore, making it in that original area. They're all made around the Garstang area. But this, this was where Bob was from. And he had a, a big pride about it. I, I got in conversations with him. 
And then uh, I was invited to take over from Ted Robbins on Radio Lancashire. Ted was away for a week, so I took over. And, and one of my interviewees was Bob. So we were in an extended conversation now, like you and I. Uh, and Bob said, why don't you come on over? You know, you're a big cook. You've worked at the uh, Michelin kitchen. Lisa's told me that you love the science of food. Uh, we might get on. For the sake of this big, long answer, I might as well say from then on, the rest of this history, we've won 39 national and international awards now for these four cheeses. Yeah, I just, I just wondered how, you know, how, how it became cheese. I, I knew you were in, interested in food. I knew that. I knew you were interested mm -hmm. in cooking and whatever. I, I wondered why you'd focused on, 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 on cheese. And, and what, I've, you know, obviously the last year, everyone's been having issues, obviously, with COVID. And now we've got all the Brexit issues and blah, 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 blah. What's the cheese industry, or cheese world? How's it coping at the moment? Doing all right? Uh, well, we're an artisan company so we sell smaller amounts we'd like to yeah. sell more but i think the cheese industry is happy for me just to sell what i sell i think they're a bit paranoid about me mm -hmm. uh, i think i could be very popular if if it was to go on lots of shelves i think people would pick it up yeah. so we're we're happy in our little world that's been made for us uh, but i do know that there are bigger companies out there uh, that have maybe left all their eggs in one basket. Yeah, there are yeah. other companies that have, that have diversified, uh, but those that have left themselves in one basket, um, uh, they'll be finding that energy prices have risen. They need, they need energy to keep the cheeses cool. And these people, you know, have uh, like the size of a football grounds uh, um, warehouse to keep these cheeses cool. And, uh, and then, of course, there is the manpower situation. Uh, there's the uh, upcoming gas situation. And, and then, of course, there's inflation. And, and th these are small margins that these big companies work with. Well, you know, you know what might happen is you might be the survivor. You might turn it That would be a lovely turn of events. <laughs> not for the lack of trying. And I am always here, always uh, uh, extolling the virtues of British cheese, uh, uh, and and I, you know I deserve a bit of a break, to be honest. Absolutely. Uh, when we did uh, a couple of years ago, we did um, my, the company that I run, production company I run. We did we did quite a lot of stuff in in Russia um, around the issue of um, uh, Russia sanctions. You know the sanctions on Russia, so there's lots of things they couldn't do outside the country and and trading and whatever. But one of the and one of the big things was that obviously people started doing a lot more stuff, localised stuff within Russia. And one of the big areas that became, you know, quite a boom, boom thing was cheese making. Huge, huge right. thing in, in Russia. So because um, people were able to, you know, it, it's, it's strange, isn't it? How, you know, the, the, people, you know, focus on the local and, 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 and of course, cheese, and the great thing about cheese is, that it is very distinctive wherever you go, isn't it? Everyone's got that. There's, obviously, there's different recipes, but it's all, you know, it's all different, you know. Yes, it is. And you, 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 you're right to say so. And it's a bit like the change of accents between one place and another, and that, which we both know, especially mm. being uh, northerners, you can only go six, seven miles and it'll be a different accent. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It's very much like that with, with cheese making. It's very colloquial. I think that's the word. Uh, no, this is, I'm turning the interview on its head a little bit because I'm talking about what you do, usually what we do at the end is we say we talk about you know, oh, what are you doing now, kind of thing. So, so we'll keep it. We'll keep it um, 
the other way around. About you, but, but that's fine. That's fine. But so, so what? You, so before we talk about the past, so what? You, so what's your? What are you doing at the moment? So you got the you got the cheese company. You obviously still doing a bit of acting and stuff, aren't you? So you've got a mixture of things that you're doing, have you? Uh, yeah, I do a lot of artwork. I'm, I'm quite a good artist. Uh, uh, some would say a very good artist, but that's not for me, really for me to say. I'm always, uh, I've just been preparing a piece for two friends of mine. Uh, it's just here beyond the uh, uh, beyond the camera and uh, a big oil picture over there. So I, I, that's a big love of mine. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. My dad's an artist. My dad's an artist. Tony Tony Byrne, an artist right. from Yorkshire, and he's been around for, for a long, long time. Look him up, Tony Byrne, B-Y-R-E. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, um, he's, he's been going on. He, he, he was a minor in the 80s and gave it all up. Much to my mother's annoyance at the time, you know, you should have a proper job, you should have a proper job. And he just gave it all up and, and took a risk and he's been oh, doing art right. ever since, you know. And he's, he's, the most popular things now that he does, actually, are those things where he, he, he memorises in his mind the old mining days because people love looking back or thinking back to the areas they grew up in, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, so, yeah, look. Look, look him up but yeah so that, that's great so you're doing that and you, you're doing a bit of acting still aren't you still doing acting uh, well uh yeah not not too much um, there's a couple of things just on the simmer um doesn't sometimes doesn't come to anything uh, uh and sometimes i think well maybe people think i was rubbish uh personally i don't think i was rubbish no uh, you weren't rubbish you were very good you're very good but do you think do you i mean have you got to a point now I mean, did you, or because you were in acting for a long, long time, you and you were obviously in a big program like Coronation Street. Mm -hmm. You obviously decided you needed a, a change. You know, was was that was that therapeutic? Did you getting that change? Did that really help you in terms of just? I mean, could you have got carried? What I'm saying say is, could you have carried on in Coronation Street for another twenty odd years, or did you need to get out at that point? Um, well. The two, it's the two-stage answer. The first-stage answer is that my decision was made a lot easier for me because the uh, producers and writers had uh, a uh, penchant. Controversial storyline, yeah. Had a penchant for throwing controversial storylines at me, which was great from the acting point of view. But the final one that they put to me was that I was going to start seeing a 14-year-old girl. And uh, so I just said, oh, I'm, I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah. Of course, there was a uh, the, there was a stalemate of which I just said, "Listen, you know, if that if that's what you're uh, up for, then I'll make your life easier, and I'll just I'll leave." Yeah. So yeah. that's exactly what I did. So that's the first stage of the answer. The second stage is the answer is that uh, uh, you know I'm a resourceful person and um, not unintelligent and uh, and very creative, and so this uh, introduction into the professional cooking world from obviously from teaching myself into the professional world was actually quite a seamless uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, occupation. And then moving on with, um, I was wondering why I was in the kitchen like 15 hours a day. What am I doing here? I've just come out of the studio working seven days a week and now I'm working 15 hours a day. What's going on? But it was all, sometimes you don't realise it's all for a reason because that's where the cheese making and that's where Bob came from. If I wouldn't have been in the 15 hours a day Northcote Manor, then I wouldn't have met Bob. And where did the art come from? Where did the interest in art come oh, from? Uh, well, the art uh, came from uh, me being uh, young. I was in a split family. Uh, uh, and so, oh God, life was all a little bit. So the only uh, solace 
that I had was my grandparents and they were lovely people and my grandmother uh, used to way on back uh, to be the, the head of a, a, a scout troop and so she was always throwing things at me that, that, that were really creative and really interesting and and we were well she's sadly missed yeah. uh, but she pushed me down the art line and uh, and then so much so that when I was I think I was well, certainly when I was 15, I passed my O-level art and received a, a, an A standard. And then so my art teacher threw me into the A-level system, still at school, uh, and I received a B standard. So uh, so it, it was clear that I, that I was, not only was I creating, but I can turn my thoughts into exactly what I would like on the piece of paper yeah. 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 Or, or whatever. So that's kind of where it came from. So the seeds were sown at a very early age when it came to art through your, through your grandparents, as you say, which is yeah. fantastic. And Ashley's chat with Sean Wilson for Distinct Nostalgia will continue in just a few minutes. As well as amazing interviews just like the one you're listening to now, the Distinct Nostalgia podcast is also home to an epic radio quiz. Oh, I've never heard of it. Where listeners just like you go head-to-head on their favourite TV shows and films and put their general knowledge to the test. There's a bonus point if you can sing the theme tune, but I know you're not going to, are you? Skippy, 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 the bush kangaroo is all I can remember. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that earns you a point. Yeah, I'll go for that. A brand new season of the Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month quiz is almost here, and it needs you. Prisoner cell block. Cell block B. Prisoner cell block H. Simply pick your favourite TV show or film and get in touch at distinctnostalgia.com or by messaging us on Twitter. Have a go at three British films. Just have a guess. Oh, whistle down the wind. Carry on up the Kyber. No, this is rubbish. I'm sorry. No, I don't know. They're not bad attempts, actually. And the two leading minds from across the month compete head-to-head in the final for a coveted Distinct Nostalgia mug. It's almost like a trophy. The Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month quiz. Got there in the end. Oh, that's amazing. They always are. (laughs) If you're a Blue Peter fan, you'll enjoy something special we've got coming soon. Tim Vincent is going in search of Valerie Singleton, and he'll be meeting one or two others along the way. Hi, Peter. It's Tim Vincent. How are you? Oh, hi, Tim. How are you? Nice to hear from you. I'm not too bad. I'll tell you why I'm ringing up. I'm trying to get hold of Valerie's number, by any chance. What, Singleton? Yes. Hmm, I'm not sure I've got it now. I've got an address somewhere. Well, I'm tempted to ask, why do you want Val's phone number, Tim? I'll only pass it on to you if you divulge why you want it. <laughs> Tim Vincent, as I breathe. What are you calling me for? What do you want? Hello? T- Tim? Tim? Tim Vincent. Tim Vincent. Oh, God. It's Tim it's about 20 minutes or something. I'm no, no, I'm Tim Vincent from Blue Peter. Listen out for In Search of Valerie Singleton with Tim Vincent very soon on Distinct Nostalgia. So let's talk about you and your, and your acting career then. We'll talk obviously talk about Corrie, but I did spot that you were in Crown Court. Yeah. Crown Court, I used to watch as a little boy... Um, in the mid seventies, it was the only thing on in the telly on the in the afternoon. That and I think Emmerdale Farm had started or something. But I used to like Crown Court. I found it quite educational and quite interesting as a little boy for some reason. 
The only thing yeah. that I didn't like was the music used to frighten me to death. But um, yeah, tell us a bit about Crown Court because it was actually it was actually done as a real court. Well, when I say a real court, a re they had a yeah. real jury, didn't they? If I remember rightly. Well, they, they had a real jury, and it was a four-sided uh, um, studio. So we were in a studio, but then there was a court within the studio with all four sides. But uh, before we get to the studio, Crown Court was also a feeding ground for writers. Uh, and I remember watching a few Crown Courts uh, before, I, you know, before I, I was asked to play in one. And, oh, they were, they were a little bit tongue-in-cheek. And if you went back to them now, you'd realise that... Um, that we were, as a viewers, we were being taken on a little ride and you either jumped on or you weren't aware of it. It was really quite uh, uh, one of those programmes. So the one that I was invited to, uh, and, and I guess, uh, in fact, I won't say the word, but it, 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 was, uh, it, was, it was a racial uh, title and it was yeah. called the four-letter word beginning with P for Pakistanis, yeah. uh, uh, bashers, and we were all skinheads. Three of us were skinheads, but it turns out that the <laughs> that the clever writer uh, had decided that we were taking um, this Pakistani boy to court because we were picking on him, uh, and he was going to receive a good scene, oh, okay. to, a good kicking. Uh, but but of course he was he was uh, uh, an expert martial arts, and he, so he kicked us. Uh, so we were taking him to court. Okay. So, so there, there comes, the, there comes the tongue in cheek. And it was, it, it was, it was played out across a week, wasn't it? If I remember right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's how they did it. Yeah. 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 And so then I, I remember seeing another one where uh, a gypsy had taken the farmer to court or something, and oh, there were all kinds of uh, uh, witnesses coming in, and witness for the prosecution, witness for the defendant, and we just went on and on. And really, in the end, it was all about. A, uh, a, a brass urn, which is probably about, yeah, you big. That's all it was about. And that was the tongue in cheek. You know, it was just, <laughs> it was just silly. It was just a silly it in its inception. It was good at Granada, wasn't it? It was Granada, yes, Granada it was. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. For me, that's when Granada was in its pomp. Yeah. You know, Coronation Street was, and, and you know, still is arguably. Uh, uh, right at the front of the ship, right at the helm, it was then. Yeah, uh, they were making a, a Brideshead revisited. They were getting into films. And then, of course, then they had these uh, different music programs. Tony Wilson was uh, very much getting yeah. involved, proper music, yeah. Yeah. Uh, keeping his ear to the music, ground as it were, and it was everything. It was just live. Richard Wilson used to appear in Crown Court as, as one of the barristers. Was he was he the barrister for, for you on the day you were in there? Or? Oh, no, no, he wasn't. The, the, the famous person, uh, and although I know he, he was famous, being an actor, was an old uh, Hammer Horror movie actor called Foley Walters. Uh, and he was the judge. Uh, so that, that was our little connection to, you know, to worldwide fame. Uh, but it was it, it was a great week. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a bit like sort of uh, the bill and doctors and various other things, wasn't it? In the sense that actors used to come in and out. Loads of actors have been through Crown Court over the years, haven't they? Basically, yeah. yeah the difference was, and I guess I don't know. Maybe it, it, I've been watching some of the um, oh, what they what they called in the afternoon, uh, Tales of the Unexpected. Uh, 
yes, people were, you know, they, they were allowed to, 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 to act. Whereas nowadays, I don't think they're allowed to act as much, personally. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. I agree with that. So Coronation Street. Um, so what happened was I went for a couple of auditions at, uh, at Granada. I went for um, um, Kevin Webster's part. Okay. okay. And, and, and the final audition was between myself and Michael Lavell. And then I then they had a look at me for the uh, Duckworth family for Terry Duckworth, and of course, clearly wasn't right for that. Mm. Uh, a bit too intelligent for that, I think. <laughs> he said controversially. Because uh, you so all came were, in roughly, you all came in roughly around the same time, didn't you? You and Nigel, yeah. and you know, they're all roughly around yeah. that same time, eighty three, eighty four. Sally Whitaker, yeah, Sally Whitaker at the time, uh, married name now, Dinavera. There was. Uh, Sally Ann Matthews, there, uh, there was Sarah Lancashire. And apart from Nigel Pavaro, we all had a connection with the Oldham area. Right, OK. Because Oldham had this wonderful uh, theatre workshop run by a, 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 some would say a tyrant of a director, but he turned out shows with 100 and odd kids in, written either by himself or written by him uh, and, and the music. Uh, by the musical director and uh, but we did musicals we did Brecht we did some Brecht work and uh, that was where I became really involved in you know what I really quite fancy doing this so, yeah. so I kind of left the art behind I was really focused through David Johnson on, uh, on the on the drama side um, mm. and, and obviously you'd, you'd grown up watching Coronation Street I presume was it something that you know, I mean, obviously, if you get offered a part in Coronation Street, you take it. But well, before that, was it something you would have wanted to do? You know, were you, were you, were you set on starring in Coronation Street? Or? Yeah, Coronation Street um, was held in high esteem. Uh, you know, I was a working class, working class boy, working class background. Um, you, know, you wouldn't be able to jump on a bus. You wouldn't be able to go into the bakers or the... Uh, anywhere without somebody talking about the current storyline and, uh, and 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 so of course to be given the opportunity to to jump into the cast um, even if it were only for a week which is all I was employed for to begin with yeah because yeah. you started off you started off didn't you as a uh, helping out in Jim's cap didn't you was that the beginning of your yeah. career yeah. in college? yeah they needed somewhere just to introduce the character to uh, so it, it was in there, yeah, with uh, with uh, Helen Worth, really, and then of course um, things flourished as years went by. And, and oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so tell us a bit about. Could you? It's a long time ago. Do you remember your first day, sort of there, the first day, the first yeah. time you went into Coronation Street? Yeah, yeah. Well, of course. How how daunting would it be? Uh, I mean, you know, Bill Roach sat down there, and you know, Julie Goodyear, and. Uh, Gene Alexander, and Betty Driver, and, you know Barbara Knox, and Thelma Barlow. You know, I mean, you just go on and on and on, and they're all there in front of you, all drinking coffee. <laughs> so, of course, it was very tentative to begin with, but you know, it's a lovely, friendly arm that comes around anybody new. Because, and I always kept to this myself. Thelma Barlow said to me, "Sean, we've all been you. Yeah, we, we we know how it feels." So. Just let the arm come around you. Feel the warmth. Uh, just relax yourself into it, whatever way that you feel is best for you. 
we'll all know that you're relaxed when you are relaxed. I interviewed Thelma, and she was saying that, of course, she was of a she she arrived in what I think it was nineteen seventy one, uh, but, but she and she was sort of quite relaxed and laid back and all the rest of it, and of a certain new new era, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But she had to, she arrived when there were these very much larger than life figures who were yeah. lovely when you got to know them, but came over a little bit of a, a diva esque in a way. You know, your 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 Ina Sharples, you know, Van Carson and your Doris Speed and people like mm. that. There were a few yeah. there were a few of them left, weren't there, when you arrived? There were some of them. Oh still yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, um Pat Phoenix had just left. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the uh, so she left and Bernard Ewins who played Stan Ogden. Uh, uh, he'd left. So some big characters had just left and clearly there must have been a production uh, opportunity to bring in some younger blood. So they took that opportunity. Uh, but yes, of course, I mean, you know, the names I've just mentioned, uh, you know, uh, Roy Barraclough, uh, uh, you know, what, what an actor, you know, what a comedic actor. So the first person you, I suppose, you worked with was, was Helen. What was, what was Helen like? What was she like at Helen that time? Was, uh, uh, you know, she's a she's a gentle lady. She's one of those actresses that um, that works well. Certainly, we did when we worked together. Um, I decided, or we decided, after we'd worked together a little bit, that I was going to try and keep. Uh, I was going to be part of trying to keep things a little bit realer than than your average uh, soap actor. Uh, that was my decision. Uh, and and it seemed to be flowing very well with the writers. They were feeding from that. Mm-hmm. And, and Helen just, you know, we we, did, we chatted about it and we agreed that it was working that way. So uh, so that's the line that we went down. So and, and Helen capably stepped into those shoes. We'll talk about that realism in a minute because I've been watching some episodes with you in recently. You're absolutely right on the realism uh, compared to some of what's gone after that but we'll talk about that yeah. but in terms of in terms of your character then so you started off as this kid in the in the in the uh in the cafe kind of thing was there any sort of idea as to how your character would develop at that time none whatsoever uh, uh and even when we were given storylines like i my character I had to start seeing uh, uh katie harris who was only 16 or you know barely you know uh so that was a, a difficult in concept but um and we were told nothing about how it was going to unfold yeah. uh, so i think very much it must have been let's see if these two get on and if they do get on then let's feed the uh the storyline and uh and me being me i wanted to make it work because they were giving me storylines where i had 12 months to uh, to fashion uh, the beginning to the end and so I, I didn't, it's very easy just to think, right, okay, I'll just do it the same as I did last week and I'll do it the same next week. And, you know, it's easy money. I'm busy. I'm busy. But oh, no, no, I didn't want to do it that way. Mm-hmm. I wanted to take the viewers on a, uh, on a journey through, through the whole 12 months. And I think the writers latched onto that. So mm-hmm. in the end, uh, um, Lucy, Joe and I, we, we, we turned that, uh, that difficult potentially difficult storyline into something that the viewers you know didn't didn't dislike no it's good it was it was good going back to the very early days then so, you, so obviously gail was married to brian um, in the early years i've interviewed chris about his time in Corrie as well 
and mm-hmm. and you sort of um, obviously Brian was of a certain ilk, and he'd Chris Quinton, and, and it was it became one of the, one of the early sex symbols of soap, didn't he? Really, that was his, well, that was his sort of claim to fame at that time. He was well, killed. I think, I think that was the intention when Chris. Yeah, came. I think he was. I think it was. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think he arrived um, in some. Uh, I think it was a New Year's Eve party or something, doing disco dancing or something in the late seventies. Of course, that connected with people at the time, you know. So, yeah. so that yeah. was it. But but so so he so he was there, and then of course he got ki- he got killed off. And this thing about age and stuff has always uh, sort of haunted you in it, didn't it? Really, because the whole thing <laughs> about the Ga- the you and Gale was that everyone was a bit worried because obviously you were younger than Gail and, you know, like she was a younger fella and all that yeah. kind of thing it sort of became a, you know, became a perennial thing for you, it seems, throughout the, the whole, um, the whole show. Well, in a way. well, let me tell you that, um, you know, uh, Gail and Martin were sharing some little candid moments in one or two episodes, still in the cafe. Um, so this is how much we know about how things are going to unfold. This is why I'm telling you this. Uh, so on the Wednesday, after we'd done what's called a technical run, so the producers and writers and cameramen, we can all see the scenes uh, in their entirety live, we would finish and we'd have scripts waiting for us in our little uh, areas where we worked. Um, so I opened the scripts and I was busy through and it said, Martin kisses Gail. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so I had to out, out of nowhere. <laughs> had, yeah, but no one. I've had, I'd had no production conversations about it. I'd had no the producer hadn't said, "Listen, we're going to go in this direction, so you know, don't be surprised. You know, prepare yourself." But I had none of that. I had to just turn the page. So that's how much we knew about things. Well, we'll talk about who became your son in a moment because obviously um, he's been in it for quite a long time and fantastic actor. But before. Before David came along and, you know, Jack P. Shepard came along, you were working, of course, with the original um, Nick Tilsley, which was Warren Jackson, who mm-hmm. sadly, you know, liking lots of soap, things changed, whatever. But, what, what, you know, I remember Warren, Warren quite a lot. I remember him growing up and then suddenly he changed into uh, Adam Rickey, of course. But uh, mm-hmm. what um, what was he like? What was Warren like as a, as a lad to work with? Uh, you know what? He was good. He was fine. Yeah. He was a nice yeah. guy. Uh, and when I met him, he, he wasn't super young, but he had been in the show from being super young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so every time he went to the studio when he was super young, he would be given something, you know. The the the, the management of bringing in a young, very young actor then, yeah. uh, for me, was wrong because it would always be on reward. So yeah. they want to be reward and then so it just becomes very one-dimensional and you know and so what I tried to do with Warren was just to sit down chat with him yeah, you know yeah. talk to him maybe yeah. just you know eke his intelligence from him and, and of course he's a lovely intelligent lad and I think he appreciated the fact that he wasn't just being treated as a kid being given toys you know that's how I but how do you you know how do you I mean, how do you cope with, you know, because he was ceremoniously more or less dumped at 16, wasn't he? And then replaced with uh, a little bit later one with Adam Rickett. So yes. sort, of, sort of how do you, you know, it always amazes me how, you know, this, kids will play somebody right up to a certain age and then they become somebody else. And it's, I don't know, mm. I find that it doesn't happen with everybody. I know that Jack P. Shepard obviously didn't happen with him. But, you know, yeah. it's, um, 
it must be a horrible experience for them in a way to go yes, through that. It, it must be a horrible experience because you know it, it's a it's a great experience to have had as a person, but then you've got to live with um, the public. Yeah, yeah. The public, um, you know, whether we like it or not, uh, they they will revel in somebody's uh, uh, misfortune. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, and that misfortune obviously came to, to Warren, and, and no doubt he's you know no doubt he's he's had and to grow he's had to grow into tough character at a, at a difficult age as well. And I interviewed Christabel Finch, who played the original Tracy, and she of course just left at the age of seven, I think it was. So it didn't really affect her that much, to be honest. She no, she, just, she she just remembers being a little kid playing with toys and sitting sitting on. Um, on uh, Albert Tatlock's knee and stuff like that, you know, and being, you know, apparently he used to play Father Christmas every year, and it was some some great stories. But yeah, yeah. No, it must have been it must have been difficult for for Warren. But what's it like for the other actors to suddenly have to deal with a different person playing that role? You know, so suddenly you've got Adam Ricky playing his role. You know, yeah. So of course Adam comes in, uh, uh, and of course uh, he needs to be uh, um, brought in. He needs the arm to come around him. Arm comes round. We all get to know each other. We get to know each other as a family unit. The writers are very um, sensitive to to that. And so they didn't just throw him straight into something, you know. There was an induction period. That's the word I've been looking for. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then Adam just seemed to uh, uh, find his own way. Uh, and then he came, and again he was, he, you know, he was there from Adam's own. Uh, I've never spoke to him about it, but he would probably agree with me that he was brought in. So you know, it could be a little bit of eye candy for the girls, and probably the boys knowing Coronation Street. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, well the great thing about Warren to 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 Adam was there was a slight similarity, but you could you could see Warren turning into Adam in the sense he had floppy blonde hair and all the rest of it, you know what I mean? So yeah, they did yeah. they managed that re reasonably well, I thought. So that yeah. so that was quite good. So do you remember your um your on-screen sort of um obviously you have this romance with Gail, but you know the, there's always a big thing around weddings, isn't there? Do you remember your big wedding with Oh with yeah, yeah. Of, course, yeah, of course. Uh and uh, and uh, I was pleased because, you know, I was building my own family out of uh, the studio, of course, at home. And, uh, and, and, and it was great to know that, to feel that I'd come from that working class background of uh, comprehensive school and uh, trying to do your best with a broken family behind you and not much support in education. And before you know it, you're in Coronation Street and, and, and you've been... Uh, uh, brave enough to take certain decisions, which the writers have uh, 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 patted you on the back and cajoled you along. And so then a marriage to a character means that there'll be some longevity. And it's a big uh, so thing in the soap world, isn't it? Whenever there's a marriage, you're on the front page of the TV Times. It's a huge thing, you know, big wedding, yeah. big weddings. You know, Although they tend to go wrong now, whereas in those days they didn't go wrong. Yeah. I think your wedding probably didn't go. There probably wasn't a hitch at your wedding. Although I'm sure that, and I'd love to hear your um, rem, uh, your reminiscences of uh, of this person. I'm sure um, Ivy probably had one or thing, one or two things to say. Oh, yeah. What, yeah. what was it yeah. like working with Lynn Perry? Boys and Ivy. <laughs> uh, well, 
it depends. It depended which Lim Perry was going to turn up. <laughs> to be fair, when she was on it, she was like a diamond. She was on it, yeah, and you could so tell, uh, and and that's why she was employed. Mm. And I can, it, she she was class. But then, of course, she's been in things like cares and all sorts of things. Oh, she? She was yeah, massive. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. She, some, she was involved in some really uh, uh, pioneering uh, kitchen sink films, mm-hmm. which have become you know famous in their own right. Uh, so yes, and uh, but I mean, I do remember just bringing a bit of fun into this. But uh, Martin was uh, in the, the uh, early part of his relationship with Gail, which of course Ivy didn't like at all. The, the, uh, the you know she was a big catholic and she was against the whole thing and she was obviously blaming it all on her catholicism but she just didn't like it so i was in the pub and i was just playing darts and and ivy comes in and then she sees martin there so she goes over and takes him to task over something which is being a bit flippant with her you know we're out in the pub and you know we don't want to get serious in the pub so he's being a bit flippant with her so I think he was flippant once too often and she took her bag in the script and she hits him with her bag around the face. Okay, fair enough. We're all prepared for it. Uh, so she, she comes in, we do, shall we just go for a take? Yeah, let's go for a take. So she hits me with this bag. It was full of bags of 50p's. She'd been to the bank and bought all these bags of 50p's. Well, I had blood coming down from my ear. <laughs> So, so it, sometimes you didn't know who was going to be <laughs> turning but, up. Today. But a brilliant, a brilliant actress, wasn't she? Brilliant, yeah, a great actress. When yeah. she was on, she was a diamond. And Ashley's chat with Sean Wilson for distinct nostalgia will continue in just a few minutes. Distinct drama. Fresh and original. Coming to Distinct Nostalgia this Christmas, a trilogy of comedy dramas by Carl Chetty, starting with Soft Centres. When I think of how I've wasted my life here. Starring Sir Derek Jacobi as Frankie. Placing handmade soft centres and nut clusters into poncy dwarf coffins is hardly an achievement. And Joanna Lumley as Millicent. Oh, Frankie's well past this game. He's been here 30-odd years. He'll be carried out in a box. (laughs) It's probably a gold chockey box with red bows and ribbons. And the story continues in Hard Centres. Well, I'm supposed to be retired, you know, but I'm back in the basement in my own little chockey grotto. (laughs) Starring Sir Derek Jacobi as Frankie and Imelda Staunton as Millicent. I hear I like your new hat, sis. I'll slap you in a minute, you cheeky <laughs> run. You know it is my hat, it's my hair. Sebastian, just done it. Incidentally... Yes, and what's that dirty look for? Your senorita's gone, but not forgotten. My senorita... What did you do to her? Show her your erogenous zone. And we conclude with Dark Centres, starring Sir Derek Jacobi as Frankie and June Brown as Millicent. Is there something going on between you two? Chant to be a fine thing, but I'm working on it. <laughs> Helen Lederer as Mrs Hamilton. So he's given someone a box of hard centres instead of soft centres. So what? That's what dentists are for. And Christopher Ryan as Mr Hamilton. Things are already at half cock. My tinnitus is getting worse, and plus I can't sprint for a taxi anymore without wheezing and drawing on my inhaler. So that's soft centres, hard centres, 
and Dark Centres by Carl Chetty. Available this Christmas only on Distinct Nostalgia, wherever you get your podcasts. While you were there, um, someone who's become an icon of Coronation Street now um, emerged in the shape of, of, of Jack P. Shepherd. Did he? Mm. Did he? Did he play? Did he play David right? He didn't play right at the very beginning, did he? If I remember rightly. Uh, no, he didn't. No, no, there was a, another actor, a lovely guy, lovely lad. Uh, and of course, you know, I was working with him cheek by jowl as Martin was uh, being written in as like the house husband. And it was that kind of era where actually men could spend time at home and Martin was held as that kind of character. Yeah. Uh, but then um, they decided that uh, the, the, the actor was going to change and um Curiously enough, the producer said, I'd like you to come up uh, to the audition. We had two boys here. I think it was three, actually. Uh, we're not quite sure which way we want to go. And so we auditioned the three people, uh, which is unheard of. Um, so uh, Jack was head and shoulders. I don't even know why they were, they were uh, confused. He was head and shoulders, the best actor there. Oh, like it wasn't, just... even, like, wasn't even close. He was such a funny little boy, wasn't he? He was so his delivery was fantastic when he. I mean, he's yeah. still good now, but he was very good as a boy, a little lad, oh, wasn't he? Absolutely, yeah. And 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 he was brimming with confidence, uh, and and then he wasn't uh, the kind of uh, actor that just does his own thing. He watched and he learned, uh, and 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 I'm sure that he picked quite a lot up from myself. And he, I think you can see that in the way that he works now. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's astonishing how you know because he could, like a lot of people, they come into the show, they, you know, young people, they're in there for a while, and then they, you know, they're killed off or whatever. You know, he's he's really cemented himself in Coronation Street, hasn't he? absolutely, he's really well, really, really well. I absolutely. mean, you went to, you went back in, of course, in a few years ago, didn't you? What what was what did yeah. you notice about how he'd how he developed? Oh, well, of course, it, his storyline at that time was so uh, multi-layered that, uh, that you know, the, the, there aren't many characters that are asked to play so many multi-layers. I think I was one of them. And and then Jack had took that to a few more layers, which, of course, the writers had laid on him. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, he, you know, he, 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 he's good enough to take it on. There is a, uh, a feeling of pride when it comes to Jack. And, you know, and, and he might look at me a bit funny. Uh, a bit of scant, like why? Uh, because it's a long time now since I left. But um, but we all have uh, roots in our in our uh, creativity as actors, and I think uh, I think Jack made good roots when I was around. Dad done well with with some. <laughs> mm. well, I, I try to do well I try to do well with everybody you know one thing you'll get from me is you know acting if I look at you then you know you're being looked at yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely, absolutely so just to, yeah just talk a little bit about about Martin as a, as a character I, you mentioned earlier on about the realism and when I look back at those episodes now I do think there was a degree of realism you know Martin could be a bit of a curmudgeon sometimes he could be a bit miserable but he was a he was a dad. He was looking out for his kid. He was looking out for his wife. He was a responsible nurse. Um, these people exist, and it felt to me as though you were you were multi dimensional. You had your feelings. You had your, you know you had your 
you had your bad points, your good points, whatever. And sometimes with soap today, I'm not saying specifically Coronation Street because I think it still does very well, but sometimes you feel as though characters are quite one-dimensional nowadays in some respects. Yeah. And you were, there was lots of different facets to your character, but more than anything, I felt that your character was believable. That was quite important, you know. Oh, good. And then you know what? That really uh, fills me with joy still to hear people say it because that was my intention. And I put a lot of work into the, into doing it that way. You know, I think sometimes uh, people would think, oh, look at him. He's just like playing himself. Of course, I wasn't playing myself at all. I was playing a character that had a different job, different wife, different, you know, and just had a different life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you're going to enter into that uh, style of realism, uh, uh, you, you're going to have to work at it. You, you know, you can't, you can't just throw performances away all the time yeah. um, so i started well, I mean, to work this is quite interesting i started yeah, to work cool. with a dictaphone a little digital dictaphone and what i would do is to put the scene down on the dictaphone and i might sometimes some weeks have 30 40 scenes so it's a lot to learn and a lot yeah, to yeah. turn around in, in like two or three weeks time i'll be throwing those scripts away and all, and all the scenes will be done yeah. and i have another 30 or 40 to work on so it, you have to find a way so I put the scenes on the dictaphone and I could be in my car, I could press play and, uh, and, and I could do the scenes. I would leave my lines out, but put everybody else's in. And I could rehearse the scenes as and when, wherever I was. Uh, but as I, would be, as I was doing it, this, this became a plus point of, of working this way. I'd be like, oh, I didn't see that at the beginning. Oh, yeah. And I know that this happens at the end of the storyline. So I could just throw in a little red herring there. Ah, oh, that could be interesting. And what about if I do this and that? And so it opened up my performance uh, more by accident than anything else. And I think the viewers kind of uh, uh, appreciated that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And of course, you were, you were play, also playing a nurse, a male nurse, which to be fair, male nurses have existed for a long time. But mm. that was that was a bit of it wasn't controversial in any way, shape, or form. But it wasn't it wasn't seen necessarily as the norm. I mean, it still isn't really. You could, I was in hospital recently, and most of the people who are nurses are women. It's not generally men. If there's a man in yeah. there, he tends to be the butt of the 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 female nurses, you know, ire and jokes and all the rest of it. Sometimes, to yeah. be honest. But yeah. so so that so that was interesting as well because you, I think you you were able to challenge people's perceptions a bit i think you know what i mean of what a male nurse was well, all about well i think there was definitely a meeting of minds between the nhs and uh, and the producers uh, there there was going to be a a push on bringing in male nurses uh, so i think it was i don't know this but i guess no there's no such thing as coincidence uh, that as soon as i was um, playing that side of my character, then all of a sudden this big uh, initiative for the NHS came in at the same time. So I think that's why. But of course, I remember saying, why me? <laughs> I remember saying, why me? So they're saying, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, why can't you put me in the shop or put me, so, you know, oh, that, uh, uh, bag of Weetabix, £1.35, you know, nice and easy. Oh, no, not me. You've got to throw me in the hospital. So, uh, so Martin, and that opened the doors for lots of interesting storylines, of course. Oh, um, well, in, I, I, have, I have one or two stories, if, if, if you'd like to hear them. Go for it. Uh, 
one of them was uh, uh, turning the page again you know, uh, after the technical run. Martin's in a lift uh, at work at the hospital with an older lady and she collapses and he takes a teeth out and gives her the kiss of life. I'm thinking, oh, my God, you know, well, <laughs> it's like St. Martin. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, and it's Sunday morning and we'll be filming it. You due in the studio at 7 a.m. I'm like, oh, God. So we get into the studio and I'm in the green room. Of course, it's empty. It's half dark. It's 7 a.m. So I'm just going through the scripts. And then I heard this, Sean Wilson, it's a while since I've seen you. And I thought, I recognise that voice. Where do I? So I spun round and it was my old headmistress who was a tyrant. She was an absolute tyrant at school. Not so much with the boys, but certainly with the girls, short skirts, makeup, you can imagine earrings so she had a real tyrant's um, reputation she said i'll be playing the old lady in the lift today <laughs> so we, that, we had to do it so what happened was she'd been for the audition and the casting director said okay so we'll be reading through it soon you know i can see that you're uh, you used to be a drama teacher at school and you used to be blah 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 yeah 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 uh, she said well i know sean you know so of course that caught everyone's attention and how do you know sean old headmistress and they were like okay and what kind of headmistress were you she said, let's say i had a reputation so they were like you're in <laughs> so i was i was set up with her really at the end of the day which was <laughs> Which, in hindsight, was good. Yeah, They'll have a giggle with me. And, uh, and uh, a giggle it was, eventually. Uh, the teeth stayed in. Fantastic, fantastic. So, uh, so yeah, so, so there was a lot of controversy around. I mean, obviously, you were a nurse. You were seen as responsible. If I remember a couple of things where you had run-ins with, um, you know, Bruce Jones's character over different things in the hospital, or he was trying to push you to do certain things. Uh, you were always good. You always resisted anything dodgy or whatever. But you did get yourself into a few mixes of models here and there, didn't you? Wasn't there a bit whereby, didn't you get sacked at one point, if I remember rightly? You got sacked and then reinstated again and went to work in casualty. I can't remember. There was something around that. I can't remember exactly what happened. Well, Gail had gone away to Canada. She came back and she, you told her you'd been, you'd been made redundant. But I can't remember what it was about now. All right. No, I can't remember what that was about. <laughs> uh, and then, then there were, of course, uh, uh, liaisons with uh, other actresses, uh, nurses, yeah, uh, yeah. because things weren't going uh, as swimmingly well uh, back at the old Platt household. And Gail was being, uh, was supposed to be being, um, uh, you know, a bit of a bitch with him really and uh, you know he wasn't good enough for this he wasn't good enough for that and you know so so of course uh, and then the writers thought right it's about time his eyes started roving um so uh, so there was a few liaisons there as well well when you look back um gail's partners you were you were the most normal one really <laughs> <laughs> well yeah yeah because you know, I just wanted it to come through that, uh, you know, he, they weren't going to make him into uh, anything other than he was. Uh, and, he, I, you know, he could have gone on to become like, a, you know, a bit of a Ken Barlow of the street, really. You know, uh, you know, eventually I would have guessed turned into, a, you know, a junior doctor or, you know, and, and carried it, carried it through. Uh, yeah. But it, it wasn't to be. 
you know so mm. uh you know life goes on it's not to, it really at the end of the day people say oh god don't you miss it and i said well you know and i'm not being flippant but it's just a tv program awesome so how do you remember i mean you, t- you told me why you left you personally but how do can you remember how they wrote you out in the end i can't remember how they wrote you out in 1999 uh, well, i think it was uh, writing him out came down to uh, uh, I think the writers decided to be a bit softly softly with me which was uh, you know nice I guess uh, a little bit of a doff of the cap I would have thought mm. um, uh, and, and he found uh, one of his liaisons um, the, one of the nurses who lived over in Liverpool and, uh, and they decided that they were going to set up a nest in Liverpool and off he went What was it like to go back? What was it like to you go know, back to it was uh, <laughs> it was like putting on an old jumper, but there was a, a certain amount of things that had to happen before I decided that. So uh, uh, I knew I was going back in, and then of course it, the press started to uh, release certain things about you know Sean Wilson will be coming back to the cobbles, and so of course I go in the butchers uh, as I often do, and they said, "Oh, I believe you went back to uh, on the cobbles." I was like, oh yeah, yeah, just briefly, you know, for a couple of weeks. And, are you nervous? And I'd be like, what? I said, are you nervous? I said, what do you mean I'm nervous? I've been going to work there for 20 odd years. No, I'm not nervous. And I'd go and have my hair cut and they say, well, are you nervous? And I was like, stop it. We all stop it. So by the time I actually got out of my car in the new studio car park, I was thinking, oh my God, am I a bit nervous? <laughs> all I had to do was walk through the door and then it was the same lady said, Sean, Oh, lovely to see you back now. On reception, oh, on reception, yeah. On reception. Yeah. We'll yeah. set you yeah. up now just with the dressing room. It's all in there. It's all yours now, Sean. Let She's been there for up. years, hasn't she? She's been yeah, there for absolutely years. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Mary, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then, of course, I'd, I'd get changed and then wardrobe would come in. So obviously, if I talk about... Uh, um, costume oh my god how are you guys we just it was all the same people really you know we're obviously one or two changes but um uh, so it was really like putting on an old very comfortable jumper absolutely now, one of the people you obviously would, would have worked with very closely um is sue nichols um yes. both both then and when you came back as well just mm. just tell us a bit about sue i mean she's she's obviously been around a long long time and she's got a lot of experience and she keeps yeah. going, and she's she's brilliant, and she always gives the impression that she enjoys her work. She really enjoys what she does. Yeah, and and of course, um, the character that Sue has uh, inhabited uh, really is one of those characters that very firmly has one foot in the past of Coronation Street. Yeah, yeah. she's been allowed to become a character, yeah. uh, and, and she's de- very definitely plays that character. Uh, uh, and nobody could have played it better than Sue. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. You know, Sue and I used to, I used to have a giggle with her, she'd say, uh, you know, I, I, once in, in, in rehearsal, I heard her going through a scene and she said, that, you know, Alfie, you know, can you be more specific? Uh, and so I'd say to her, oh, Sue, don't say that. She said, why? I said, because everybody in Manchester, for some reason, says, can you be more pacific? She says, well, that's an ocean. I said, I know, but that's what they say. So, so we got into it, you know, and I'd say, oh, don't say chimney, say chimney, you know, and, and all these Manchester little bits. So I used to give her little tips and she, she really loved it because oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. You get that a lot. You get that, you get the people who are pretending to be posh saying things that are completely wrong. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know, it's part of, part of a, you know a northern lady's character. Somebody like her, anyway, because of course exactly. Sue wouldn't Sue wouldn't know these things. God, she's got blue blood, darling. Of course, of course, of course. Well, she goes back years, doesn't she? She was in Crossroads and yeah, and, and up the elephant around the castle and rent a ghost yeah. and all sorts of things, wasn't she? You know, bless her. Oh, and yeah. uh, she was in. Um, she was in uh, what's it called? Um, Rise and Fall of Reginald Perrin as well, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. Yeah, she yeah, was she... the receptionist. Yeah, that's right. Brilliant, brilliant. Anyway, Sean, it's been lovely to talk to you. Um, just my final question: When you look back at Corrie, where do you hold it in terms of your your career and your life? Where where, where is it? What's how important was it? It's it's sat in a comfortable place for me. Uh, I have uh, no qualms about uh, anything that I did down there. Uh, I, I think. Uh, I think my character was employed to straddle the year 2000 insofar as I've one foot in the past, one foot in the future. And I think my character did that. It helped the programme step it slowly into the 2000s. Uh, uh, and I, I had some dear friends there and, uh, you know, and, and it's helped me, you know, given me the wherewithal to open my own business. To, to follow through. I mean, obviously you've been back there. Um, it was nice to see David getting some connection with his dad and whatever. Mm-hmm. And he obviously hasn't had that really in, in terms of the people who've been <laughs> who've been there as is you know is, is on the, on that side of things. Could you see Martin going back again at some point? Uh, well, well, you know, I made it very clear in 2018 that uh, that that would be possible. Uh, there was lots of. <laughs> The press were even saying to me in a uh, um, press conference that we had there, yeah, but how would you be able to run your business at the same time? I wanted to say to them, what's it got to do with you? Oh, yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. But I was thinking, actually, it might happen. I mean, God, if journalists are asking me how I'm going to struggle the business. Uh, but uh, the business uh, is set up in a certain way. So let's say uh, a film came through and I had to disappear for six weeks. I am set up where that, that can it, yeah. happen. And I did make that clear, uh, but it didn't seem to uh, uh, make any difference at the, at the end. And even so much so that they sent the character to New Zealand. So so I will receive that maybe with the intentions it was meant. <laughs> well, they, they haven't killed you off yet, so that's good. Well, no, no. And uh, you know, he's a well-loved character. And I went off to make my own uh, cookery TV show, The Great Northern Cookbook, in 2012. And we took, you know, 1.6 million viewers uh, uh, every week. And so, you know, there are people that follow me as well. You know, oh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like, to, I'd like to see Martin come back, even if it was even if it was just semi, semi, on a semi-regular basis. It's a bit like, you know, I always feel as though Steve suffers a bit in Corrie because, you know, it'd be nice to see his brother in there and have a bit of brotherly love occasionally and see, yeah, you know, see yeah. Andy there, you know what I mean? It's sort of, yeah. you miss you do miss these people because they actually make the other characters a bit more rounded, you know what I mean? So, of course they do, of course um, they do. You know, so I, you know, I definitely welcome Martin back. Brilliant, thank you, thank you. I'm going to call you Martin then. Isn't it? Thank you, John, brilliant. Take care, mate. You're welcome, thanks again. Sean Wilson talking to Ashley. And Sean's not the only Corrie legend we're hearing from this festive season on Distinct Nostalgia. You can hear Charlie Lawson talking to us about his time as Jim McDonald by looking through our recent episodes. Apparently, I have the record for the most returns playing the same character 
in the history of something or other. <laughs> and that is simply down to the fact that um, when I left, I had a chat with the then producer and I said, look, the writers are getting bored with me and I'm getting bored with them. And if I stay here, it's a good story and Jim will get killed off. And don't forget, there's a treasure trove of interviews on Distinct Nostalgia for you to enjoy at any time. Nearly 200 hours of reunions and interviews, as well as original drama and comedy, not to mention our big Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month quiz. Just look up Distinct Nostalgia wherever you get your podcasts and search through our archive. Distinct Nostalgia is produced by MIM, and if you like what we do, then please consider supporting us on Patreon. Every penny helps us to make even more amazing content just for you. Go to distinctnostalgia.com and click on the donate button. Thank you. Distinct Nostalgia. More than a podcast.